It's going to kill me <laughs> for doing that. Good to have you here today. We're unfortunately we're on the last Sunday of our series on respect. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I've had a lot of really interesting feedback. And I hope today that as we look at respect for this one last time, uh, we'll talk about it again in the future, but this is the last time for this small group series. Um, I want to just remind everybody that respect is not something that comes to us easily. This idea of respecting one another. In fact, we have to teach our children that because no kid is born respecting anybody. I mean, you never ever saw a child when it's born coming out and saying, thank you for bringing me into the world. I appreciate that. You never, you never saw that. It's very rare that a child will know instinctively that he needs to say please and thank you. We've got to teach kids these things. We've got to teach them. In fact, it's one of the very first things that teachers will teach the children when they go to school. And the reason for this is because children by nature don't respect anything or anybody because they're kids. We say they don't know any better. Now, the problem so often is that when kids grow up, they still haven't learned that basic lesson of respect. And so what I, what I want to do today is I just want to remind everybody what respect is all about. So when I was in school, we learned respect. In fact, there was a great motivator to respect the teacher. <laughs> Somebody, yes, yeah, so you know where I'm going with that. It's called the strap. <laughs> now, this is always the thing. All, we kids, we all talk about that. Uh, nobody, I don't know of any kid that ever got the strap, but we knew that there was a strap. And, and the legend, or rumor has it, that back in, in three or four or five years ago, uh, there was a kid that got the strap. And, and we'd, we'd talk like that. But nobody, because everybody respected the, the principal, respected the teacher. They, didn't, they did not want to get into trouble. So we teach kids, you've got to respect. And we put up these signs in the schools, and we say respect means we have to respect each other, respect self. We've got to respect property, that is the building. Uh, we've got to respect our environment. We've got to respect our classmates. We've got to respect our teachers. We have to teach people that because they don't know it instinctively. Sadly, when so many people get married, they don't respect their husband. They don't respect their wife. When they've got children, they don't respect their children. Their children don't respect them. And so for many people, their home is a, a, is a, is a den of chaos. In fact, for a lot of people, they don't want to go home. They don't want to go to that place because chaos reigns. What I want to do is I want to teach you what Jesus teaches us in order to have a good life, in order to have that rich, satisfying, that abundant life, we have to learn what it means to respect. There's a teacher by the name of Ondine um, Gross, and she wrote this book called Restore the Respect. And she argues that the only way that children can properly learn in the school is that they've got to learn what it is to respect their classmates and respect the teacher. And here's what she says in her book. She says, unresolved conflicts in schools build barriers to learning, including low motivation, lack of focus, and disruptive behaviors that remove the students from the classroom. So she's saying, as long as these kids don't know how to respect one another, what happens now is they're creating chaos in the classroom so that nobody can learn anything. 
In fact, it puts the kid's own education in jeopardy because now the kid's kicked out of the class, got to go to the principal's office, has got to sit in the hall, and the teacher is at, at his or her wit's end. I think any, if we have any teachers here today, you are, you are one of my heroes, honestly, with what you have to deal with today. But this Miss Gross, she understands that we've got to teach kids respect so that they can learn, so that they can grow, so that there is a sense of happiness, so that they want to come to school. When's the last time you heard a kid say, I want to go to school? No, that's what I thought. You don't hear that very often. And so Miss Gross says we've got to teach kids respect because that's the beginning of learning, that's the beginning of growing, that's the beginning of of happiness. Most of us have learned it in, in school. I think most of us have learned it in our home, although I know that there are some here today have not learned respect in their home. In fact, they've learned the opposite. They've learned what disrespect is because some kids here today have been extremely disrespected in their own home, in their own household, which is a great tragedy. The very essence of this Christian life that Jesus calls us to do, called us to, is to put others first. You put yourself last and you put others first. Now, if everybody's doing that, then you've got the recipe for peace and harmony, for happiness, for contentment. Glory and I, over the years, for, for 29 years we've been married, and we have worked hard at making our home a safe and happy environment. It's a place where people want to be, including our kids, our adult kids. I don't know if they're ever going to leave home. <laughs> it's a peaceful, happy place. Why? Because it's a place where respect is the number one rule. Maddie said to me, in, uh, in, in uh, Banff when we were there in our youth retreat, she said, Pastor John, why are there so many rules in Christianity? And my answer is, there's only one. Oh, there's, there's lots of explanation as to what that rule means, but the rule is respect. Respect God and respect one another. That's what this is all about. And that's why we invite you to come to our youth ministry so we can teach you how to have a great life. And it begins with respecting one another, including respecting yourself. So we've learned it in the home, we've learned it in school, and, so, and, and many of us, we've learned it in church. This is why we bring our kids to church. We want them to get a little bit of religion. You've heard it said like that maybe, I don't know. Get them to church. I don't really believe this stuff, but we'll get our kids to church because they need a bit of religion. Here, here's what we're teaching our kids. We're teaching our kids how to respect each other. In fact, we learn in this environment, in, in the big people's church, we learn how to respect each other. So I've got some, uh, some memes for you. Uh, those of you who are over 50 have no idea what a meme is. Anybody under 50, I think you, you know what a meme is. Well, you'll see what memes are in just a moment. Um, so here's the thing. When you're in church, you know that you shouldn't be uh, crinkling your, your candy wrapper, right, Adam? It's that face you make when the lady behind you in church takes forever to open her peppermint. <laughs> you, know, you know that luck. Yeah, you, you've, you've done that, I think. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No disrespect, man, but really, can you, 
Can you unwrap your candy before you come in here? It's very distracting. And by the way, it's distracting for me too. So next time you hear somebody making noise, opening a candy, just turn and give them the stink eye. No, don't, don't, don't do that. We've got to respect everybody. How about this one? We know we're not supposed to sleep in church. <laughs> Anybody familiar with Mr. Bean? He's a great teacher of certain things. But there he is, Mr. Bean, trying not to sleep in church because we know that's a rude thing to do. Uh, at least it's rude for the pastor. It's, it's a rude thing to do, right? We respect everybody, including the pastor. How about this one? This is, this is a meme. When people let their kids run around the sanctuary, it's that. Okay, now, hey, by the way, if you've got kids and they run around here, don't worry about it. Because this room is not just a place of worship, it's a place of fun time. So I don't, I don't mind that one so much. But some of you grew up in church and you were not allowed to run around. Like, I want this place to be a fun place. But you might be a parent that says, you know, we've got to teach our kids respect, respecting property. So look, if you run up and down the aisle, I don't care. If you run into the walls and make holes, well, then I got a problem with that. How about this one? Your mama's face when she catch you talking in church. <laughs> Have you ever got that look? My mom's sitting here. She, I got that look from her lots of times when I was little. And all, it, it legit didn't say a word. It's just a look, and you know what that look means. You, you, there's a, I can give you a big definition for what that look means. What's she teaching you? She's teaching you to respect the people sitting around you, respect the person who's preaching or teaching. You get it? Three people got it. We'll try it again. Did you get it? Yeah, you understand that. You don't talk while the pastor's talking. It's amazing how many people don't understand that principle. But I think with so many people, you're so used to the habit of interrupting people that it doesn't even mean anything to you. You just talk when other people are talking. How about this one? The usher's face when you get up during the message. <laughs> Nobody is going to dare get up now, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Not after this. I love memes. Hey, listen, listen, listen. Why, why, do we, why do we ask you not to get up during the message? Well, for one thing, it's, it's disruptive. Every time somebody gets up and walks out, this is what happens to the people around them. They're not, now they're not listening to me. I spent all this time preparing a message. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but I'm not giving you a lecture today. What I'm giving you is the word of God. It's what we call a word from the Lord, a prophetic word, call it whatever you want, but it's a message from God for you. And so if you've got people coming up, sitting down, getting up, moving here, moving there, then what happens is you are disrupting the delivery of that message that's from God. Now, I think most of us understand this. This is why we say, empty your bladders before you come in here. And if you've got one of those bladders that is incredibly tiny, sit right at the back door <laughs> and if you have to get up and that happens and by the way if anybody has to get up look i'm not going to panic i might watch you get up <laughs> leave but look it go no problem but keep in mind that we respect the preacher the speaker we respect the people around us i think this i think we all understand this this is why when i was growing up in school i mean i i Nobody ever went to the bathroom during class. And if they did, boy, they had to really, really, really have to go. I don't know if that's still the rule, 
But the fact of the matter is, is that we live in a generation that doesn't understand respect. And there's a reason for that. I don't know if you know this. One of the things that we hear all the time is, I've got my rights. Have you heard that? We talk about human rights. What's happened now is we've taken human right, the idea of my rights, we've taken it to an extreme so that now it has been emptied of its meaning. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. When I talk about my human rights, let's take the rights of a woman. How many understand that women are equal to men? Or maybe a bit better? No, no, we're equal, right? We're all in agreement with that? We all understand that, right? But now when you're fighting for your rights, that doesn't mean that you get to do whatever you want or say whatever you want. Does does that make sense to, to everybody this morning? We've taken the idea of human rights now and we have used it now to say that it's all about me. We live in a generation of what, what, what psychologists call a, 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 a narcissistic generation where, where people, where everybody thinks the whole world revolves around me. I'm going to tell you, this is so contrary to what we learn in Scripture, and it's contrary to what we learn in school from our teachers and what we learn in church from our pastors. It's contrary to what Jesus teaches. Jesus teaches us that it's not about me. I am not first. You're first. In fact, Jesus even gives a promise. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Those of us who call ourselves Christians, those of us who say we are followers of Jesus Christ, we understand that Jesus has called me to put others first. Which means I'm last and you're first. I'm last, you're first. Say it with me. I'm last. Look at the person. Bes- oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Look at the person beside you and say, "You're first." Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's do it. I'll, I'll do it at the same time. Ready? Here we go. I'm last, you're first. Ready? Ready? So, I'm last. No, you, some of you didn't know that, but this is fundamentally the message of Jesus Christ, and you can read what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five. Chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. It's all about asking, what do you need? What do you want? How can I please you? How can I make you happy? How can I serve you? How can I be a blessing to you? I was joking in the first service about my dear brother, Inquan Park. Inquan Park, in case you don't know, is, the, uh, is one of our elders. And um, he's from South Korea. And uh, I thought Inquan was like, like all South Koreans, extremely polite. And I'm going to tell you, when he and I are in my office together, it takes us a long time to get out of my office, and I'll tell you why. It's because he's saying, Pastor, you go first. I said, no, no, Inkwon, you go first. It's a, no, no, Pastor, you, you, you go first. No, I, Pastor, I insist you go first. It takes us a long time to get out of my office. <laughs> but I can tell you, I always win. <laughs> Inkwon has to go first. I'm the pastor. you got to do it my way. That's the kind of fight you should be having at your place. No, you go first. No, you go first. You have that last piece of cake. Okay. <laughs> no, no. You <laughs> I insist that you go first. Let's move on with these memes. Or I'll never get this message done. How about that one? The face you make when someone won't take their hollering baby out of church. 
Is that Beyonce? Is that? Yeah, yeah. I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor Allen's against babies. I, in my lifetime, I've only heard three people ever say that they didn't like babies or children. One of them is Princess Anne, Queen Elizabeth's daughter. I heard her say that. And there's two other people, which I'm not going to mention. The only three people I've ever heard in my life say they didn't like babies. Now, here's the thing, people. When Gloria and I, when we had our little kids and our kids were little, uh, they were like every other children, every other child, I mean. But they would cry, and Gloria was brilliant at, at just, without even hardly noticing, out, out of the service, take the baby somewhere else to cry. Why is that? Because that's what her mother taught her, and that's what her mother taught her. What are we doing? We're trying to be respectful of the people around us. We're not saying that we're against babies. In fact, listen to me, folks, because I've had people say that about me, and it blows my mind, and it makes me a little upset, to be honest with you. In terms of the money that we spend here on our building, we spend more money on our nursery than we spend on anything else. In fact, we are renovating it again. In fact, we're, we're blowing a hole through the wall so that now we've got two rooms for our nursery because we want to take care of our babies and our mothers. When you take the baby out of the service, folks, what's happening now is you are respecting the 200 people who are sitting and trying to listen to a sermon. You don't hear the baby crying because you hear it all day long, every day, 24-7. It doesn't, doesn't even register with you. But for those of us who haven't had babies around for a while, it's all we can hear. And I'm going to tell you, if I'm preaching a sermon and a baby's preaching a sermon at the back, it's, it's which one do we listen to? And the baby, baby sermon's always more interesting, I find, because people are always watching. They want to hear and see what's going on. Do we love babies? Oh, better believe it. We love babies so much, we have a place for them. In fact, you can go and bring your baby to the nursery. And we've got trained people there, and we invest a lot of time and money and energy in making sure your babies are taken care of. All our workers, they have, they have got to have a police check. They are on, we check the child abuse registry. They've got special training and how to deal with them so that your baby is as safe as can be. In fact, this whole, the whole Sunday school area is restricted area. Nobody in this, in this congregation can go, get up out of the service and walk into the area where our children is because it's so protected. In fact, you have to check your baby in and then check your baby out, your child of, of any age. It's all locked up and secure. Why? Because we value children. But we also value the adults. You've come to church on Sunday to hear a sermon, to hear a word from God. And what we need to do is we need to teach people what it is to respect one another. It's not because we don't like babies. We love babies. In fact, we want the more babies, the better, especially now that we've got another room for them. <laughs> we want to fill those rooms up with babies and mothers. But here's, here's so often what people come up against. <laughs> That's one of my favorite memes of all time. <laughs> you know, we had a family one time visiting our church, um, and this, this, this couple, they actually wanted to go to the Village of Hope and work in Africa, and they were sitting near the back, and all of a sudden, as I'm preaching, I hear a conversation break out. It's like, I've never in all my life ever had that happen before. While I'm speaking, I hear a, a child speaking to his father. And the father, it, no, no whispering. 
I don't know, some people don't have that setting. <laughs> He's talking to him, and then he starts talking to the wife, and the wife starts talking to the kid. Be quiet, don't talk so loud in church. The mother is louder than the child. So finally, I had to tell Gloria, Gloria, could you please help that family? In other words, get them out of here. <laughs> because some people think they're the only people in the world, and every, everybody's got to revolve around me. It's all about me. We teach people that we love you, but we got to teach you what it means to live like Christ calls us to live, and that means putting other people first. There was a couple visiting our church that Sunday they were checking us out to see whether or not they wanted to come to our church. They never came back. And I asked the, I asked the man, because he told me he was coming, I asked the man, why, what did you think and all that? And he said, my wife and I, at this point in life, we don't, just don't want to face that kind of drama in church. That, that really kind of broke my heart because these people were people that I really loved, respected, and was hoping they'd come and work alongside of us. They didn't want to be in an environment where people didn't know how to respect each other. In fact, I'm going to tell you, nobody wants to be in an environment where they're not respected. And folks, it doesn't just apply to the church. It applies to your home. I want to ask you, what, is the, what do your children think of you? and how you interact with one another, husbands and wives. Is it a safe environment? Jesus teaches us that we are to respect one another. In fact, let me just share with you really quickly. Oh, I gotta show you that one. When they announce free refreshments after church. <laughs> Go! You know, I had a guy threaten to leave the church. He says, because every time I come to a meal here, I'm never first. I'm always, I'm always in the middle somewhere or near the end. I said, well, you're talking to the wrong guy because I always go last. So you'll never, ever be last because I'm the last one to go through. But the guy literally threatened to quit the church because he didn't ever get to go first. So this is a church where Jesus teaches the first shall be last and last shall be first. Hello, did anybody get this? Does it make sense to anybody? Oh, I love this one. So here's the definition. Respect. Politeness, honor, and care shown towards someone or something that is considered important. When you and I begin to treat the people around us as important, and even more important than, than self, that's a game changer. So often what happens in people's homes is the kids say, you know, look at the way mom and dad treat each other. This Christianity, who wants it? At work, you don't respect your boss, you don't respect the people you work with, and then they say, oh yeah, and he and she goes to cross church. What kind of a church is that? What kind of Christianity is that? You say, well, you know, it's not really fair to judge me like that. Oh yes, it is. Jesus tells us very clearly that people watch what we say, watch what we do, and they listen to what we say. In fact, here's what the Apostle Paul says to the Colossians. He says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. 
Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. How many people have got a bad, a bad uh, opinion of Christianity and of the church because of things that so-called Christians have said or done? And so you and I are called to treat everybody as important. In fact, we put everybody first, and we always go last. That's what it means to be a Christian. You say, Pastor Alan, I don't know who, and who on earth could live like this? Christians. If you're not a Christian, you're going to have a hard time living like this. In fact, I don't think you can, or I don't think you can sustain it for long. And I'll tell you why. Jesus has promised us his Holy Spirit when he left this earth to come and dwell within us, to strengthen us, to, listen to this, to enable us to live the way he's called us to live. So the Apostle Paul then, he, he actually puts it like this. He, he sums it up like this. And I've given you two verses, uh, uh, the, uh, two translations of the same verse. In the, in the New Living Translation, it says, love each other with genuine what? Affection. And take delight in honoring each other. I remember a pastor and his wife were talking to me about another pastor and, and his wife. I was just a young kid, just still wet behind the ears, just starting out in the ministry. And this pastor's wife said to me, well, you know, I really don't, I, re I know I gotta love him because I'm a Christian, but I really don't like him. And something inside of me said, what on earth does that mean? At that moment, I lost respect for this couple who've been in the ministry for, for a long time already. I don't like him, I love him because we're Christians. Listen, folks, that is just absolute nonsense. It doesn't even make sense. Here's what Paul says, the Apostle Paul, and, and, and he really is referencing the golden rule here. The golden rule is do to others whatever you have them do to you. He's saying love each other with genuine what? Affection. That means, last time I checked, that means I have to like you and love you. You say, but Pastor Alan, what, if, what happens if I actually don't like somebody? Well, you're going to have to figure out how to do that. And you won't be able to do it in your own power or in your own strength. And folks, here is the fundamental difference between somebody who's a Christian and somebody who's not a Christian. As a Christian, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to have genuine affection for people, especially your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I'll admit it, there's sometimes it's a, it's a struggle. There's sometimes when you have to really work hard at it. And sometimes it doesn't come easily. And sometimes, you know, it might take a few weeks of really wrestling and praying and asking God for help. But fundamentally, our job is to love one another with genuine affection. And it go. I'm sorry for those of you who are thinking, man, this is tough, but look, it gets tougher. Pastor Alan, can't you do something like funner? Can we talk about something that's easier? Look at this. Take delight in honoring each other. Or as it says in the NIV, honor one another above yourself. I'm last, you're first. Hey, the only fights that you should be having at your house is who, who gets to go last. But for most of you, the fight is who gets to go first. Please, you go first. No, you go first. In 88 AD, one of the church fathers by the name of Clement of Rome, 
he's describing what these first Christians were like. Now, we're talking in the very first century. We're talking about like just maybe 50 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. Listen to what he, this is how he describes the church. And I just love this. He says, these Christians, these followers of Jesus Christ, they deprive themselves out of love so that they are certain that they may never overlook a brother in need, especially if they know that they can bear poverty better than, better than their brother in Christ. In other words, these Christians would say, you know what? You know, I look at my wife and I think, man, I don't think she could bear the poverty as well as I can. I mean, look at me. I could, <laughs> I could bear a little bit of poverty for a while. So I'm going to make sure she goes first. I'm going to make sure my brother goes first. That's what Christians were doing. They are saying, I'm going to go last for the sake of my brother, for the sake of my sister, my wife, my kids. They likewise consider the pain of another as their own pain. And if they suffer any hardship because of having given out of their own poverty, poverty they don't complain. Oh, man, isn't it easy to complain? You do good for somebody. You see what I did? I'm just amazing. These early Christians, they just thought, I, I go last. That's who I am. That's what I do. Boy, how things have changed. If you ask the average person who has nothing to do with church, can you describe a Christian? They're probably going to say something like, well, he's a, he's a gossip or he's, a, he's a, probably a, he's a hypocrite. She's a hypocrite. These early Christians, man, they had an amazing reputation. Me last, you first. Folks, I want to tell you this morning that when it comes to following Jesus Christ, you and I have got to put others first. You say, but Pastor Alan, what if that person is not nice to me? What if that person is, really treats me like an enemy? What if that person is, is hurtful, hurts my feelings? What if that person puts me down? What if that person doesn't respect me? What if that person says bad things to me? What if that person slaps my face? What if that person demands more from me than they should? What if that person asks for money from me? What, how do I deal with this? Well, listen, if you're not a believer, well, then do whatever you want. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus commands us, turn the other cheek. If you're asked to go one mile, go two miles. Go the, what we call the extra mile. If somebody asks for your coat, give them your shirt too. That's what Jesus says. If someone slaps your face, take the other cheek. This doesn't make sense, Pastor Allen. No, it doesn't. But it does to the regenerate mind, the mind that has been touched by the Holy Spirit. The one who is born again will understand what I'm saying problem is we've got so many people who are going to church who aren't Christians. They're, they call themselves Christians. They've been baptized. They even put money in the offering plate, but they don't really know what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, this is what it means. That means I'm going to always put you first. Huh. Always put you first. Listen to this. 
When a devastating plague swept across the world in the third century, Christians were the only ones who cared for the sick, which they did at the risk of contracting the plague themselves. It was Christians who took the first step in caring for those who were sick and needy. Meanwhile, and this is what the historian says, meanwhile, non-Christians were throwing infected members of their own family into the streets even before they died in order to protect themselves from the disease. What would happen Husbands and wives, if you started practicing that kind of Christianity in your home, what would that say to your kids? What would happen if you practiced that kind of Christianity in your workplace? What would happen if you started practicing that kind of Christianity at the, at the place where you hang out? What would happen if it was practiced here in church? Folks, it would be revolutionary. And folks, that is how the church went from just a handful of people to becoming the largest religious group in the world. It's because around the world there are people who are trying to live this life, being devoted to one another in love and honoring others above ourselves. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we want to say thank you for teaching us how to live in this life. Those who want to have a good life know that they have to do it God's way. It seems like a lot of rules, but there's just one. And when we learn that rule and live by that rule, it's a game changer. It's the thing that, that guarantees a happy marriage, that respect. It's a thing that guarantees a great relationship with our children. It's a thing that guarantees a great relationship with the people we work with and with our boss. God, some of us here are struggling right now in our marriages, at our workplace, with our kids. Help us to understand that we're the ones that have got to take the first step. We've got to take the step, first step. And I know, God, that some of us are thinking or protesting right now, saying, but pastor, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know how they treated me. God, the main thing is, is that you know. And even still, you insist. You insist that we put others first and we go last. That we forgive. We turn the other cheek. We return... A word of kindness for a word of nastiness. God, thank you today for your grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who goes with us and enables us to live this life that can only be lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. God, there may be some here today who say, I want this life. I want this life because it makes sense. God, if it makes sense to that person today who's not a believer, it's because your spirit is revealing it to them. I pray, God, right now that if there are any here who have not yet said, Jesus Christ, be my Lord, that this would be the day of complete and full surrender to you. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Tell the person.